no, no crazy Shiloh this week. Really just uh, something very, I think, very Lemaisa, because I think this is becoming a more and more popular thing, even though I would bet that probably none of you have ever heard of this before. How many of you have ever heard of sous-vide cooking? Sous-vide. Yeah, uh, no, it is not English. Sous-vide is French. It is French for vacuum-packed. So you've seen it. Oh, so we have... Okay, so this this is a uh, it's 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 a real legitimate halacha lemaisa issue that's that's going to be more and more nogea because this is a form of cooking that's becoming more and more popular. I was talking to Rav Sachs about it. I asked him, you know, certain shilas related to it, and he said, you know, I had never heard of it. I was at a fancy rest. I was at a restaurant. He said, and they had one item on the menu that was twice as expensive as everything else. So he said, I was curious. I asked the waiter, why is it twice as expensive as everything else? And he said, because this is sous vide. And uh, he said, I didn't know what it meant, but now that you're explaining it to me, I understand what it means. So let me explain what, what sous vide... Let, I'll tell you the Shiloh first, and then I'll tell you... No, I need to explain what sous vide cooking is first, and then I can tell you the Shiloh. The first time I was asked to talk about this was almost a year ago. I remember having a brief conversation with Rav Shechter about it. He wasn't comfortable enough yet with the Metzius to really give a, uh, a psak. Um, maybe I'll follow up with him sometime soon. But uh, here, here's the mitzvah. Here's the way it works. Um, normally, if you're a man and you want to cook something, so what do you do? You take your slab of meat, you go out to the barbecue, you turn it on the fire, you throw it down on the barbecue for a few minutes, take it off when it's nice and crisp on the outside, and you cut it open and it's red and bloody on the inside, and uh, you eat your meat. So that's the way it's been done since the cavemen, right? Men have not changed much in the way we cook. However, when you sous vide, what you are doing is as follows. You take a piece of meat, let's say, or chicken or anything else, but you know, let's, let's assume uh, you take a piece of uh, steak or brisket and you put it in a plastic bag. In that bag, you put whatever spices and flavors you're going to want to be absorbed in that meat. You seal the bag. You put that bag in a pot of water. Now, you make sure that it remains submerged on the wa- under the water, so you clip it off onto the side of the pot so that it remains, doesn't float up. It stays submerged completely under the water. You then put in a sous-vide machine. The sous-vide machine is like a stick that goes into the water that you program to a very specific temperature, and it rotates the water around at a at a very, very specific temperature, consistent, slow cooking. So what you will generally, usually very low temperature. So what you'll do is, let's say you'll set it when you're cooking in the oven. For example, I don't know how many of you have much experience when you're cooking in the oven. 350 is a typical setting. On a sous vide, a typical setting, 145. 147, something like that. So, for example, the Shiloh that I... So, so what's the advantage? What's the advantage of, of sous vide cooking? It takes much, much longer. You know, you'll have something cooking for days. You can have something cooking for, uh, for three, four days. So what's the advantage? So there are a couple of advantages. Ah, so it's, it's softer. By well-cooked, I'm not sure what you mean, but it's, it's evenly cooked. It's meaning if you were to cut open a piece of steak that comes off the barbecue, it's black on the outside and then gray as it gets toward the center and then more pinkish, pinkish, and you know, and if it's rare on the inside, it's like really red on the inside. This is completely the same through and through. It doesn't lose any of its juices or any of its flavor in the cooking. And the, the, the slow cooking breaks down the meat in such a way where even a tough piece of meat becomes soft. 
So uh, I'll, t- I'll tell you the shaila that I was asked. There's a fellow in my shul who's very into his meat. He grew up with like um, four barbecues in his hat, you know, in his uh, front porch. And in his backyard right now, he has a smoker and three grills. I don't know what you ever need three grills for. He enters barbecue contests. You know, this is the Matthias, right? So he's, he, he got a sous vide machine and he's very excited about it. And he called me last week and he said, I want to make ribs for Rosh Hashanah. So I said, okay, go make ribs for Rosh Hashanah. He said, no, I want to start cooking it on Thursday morning. I want to put it in the sous vide machine Thursday morning so that I'll have it for Sunday night for Rosh Hashanah. So what's his, uh, what's his shayla? So uh, through Shabbos, it's going to be, it's going to be cooking. So uh, it happens to be, we'll see at the end, I was Mekel, I told him he can, he can do it. And on, on Rosh Hashanah night, the first night of Rosh Hashanah, as I was finishing my meal, he brought me over some, some of the ribs. He said, you, you have to see what I'm, you know, what I'm talking about, that I'm not crazy. That this. So I said, okay, I'll try it. You know, I was stuffed, but hey, there's always room for ribs, right? That's what they say. So I, I took a uh, fork and knife. He's like, put down the knife. You don't need the knife. I'm like, it's ribs. No, you need to cut it off. Said, don't worry, you don't need the knife. Take my fork and put it on the meat. It just slides like right off of the rib. It's like mush. It goes in your mouth. The most flavorful meat you could imagine. And, and soft. Like I didn't even have to chew it. It was, just, it was, it was unbelievable. It was really, really good. Um, he may be a skilled sous vide chef. I, I don't know that it's going to it works this way necessarily for everybody, but I would imagine that you know that's you can't get a piece of you can't get ribs to taste that way and to have that consistency by, by putting them on a grill, you know, by, by barbecuing them. So um, so that was the shayla. The shayla was, can you put them up Thursday morning so that he can have them for Sunday night? So he could have the ribs for Sunday night. So I started to think that's a shayla. But there's, there's a shayla that's going to come up much more often. And especially, the reason why I think this is no gay is I, I spoke about it in shul um, and uh, on Shabbos. And, and I thought that like everyone would fall asleep and you know, it wouldn't be interesting to anybody. And people were very interested. And like five people came over to me afterwards and said, yeah, I always sous vide or cook with sous vide. I don't know how to use it properly. You know, I uh, sous vide. I, I don't know. I always uh, do the sous vide thing. And so there, this is, it used to be something that was a specialty thing that chefs would do in high-class restaurants. Now for under $150, when you uh, go register at Bed Bath & Beyond, uh, you know, when, you, when you're a chassan and kala or the kala wants to get the whatever and you're just smiling and nodding, so she might be putting a sous vide on the, uh, on the registry. It's, it's, it's becoming fairly common. One fellow came over to me in shul and said he has three different sous vide machines. Yeah, I don't know why you would need three, but he had, and that's the Matthias. He has three different sous vide machines. So this is going to be a shayla, not just in a strange case where Roshan is on a Sunday night and you want to put it up on Thursday. It's going to be a shayla people are going to want for Shabbos afternoon. They're going to want to uh, prepare meat for Shabbos afternoon. Now, and, and that means they're going to leave it in the sous vide already from Wednesday, let's say, and uh, it will be fully done on, on Shabbos for, for your Shabbos lunch meal. So is that, is that permissible? So I actually asked this fellow, I said, how come you never asked me about this for Shabbos? He said, normally when I, when I cook meat, I like it crisp on the outside. So even though I want it evenly cooked, I like crisp on the outside. So that I can't do for Shabbos, because what, I, what I'll do is I'll sous vide it, 
and then I'll take it out of the sous vide and I'll blowtorch the outside to make a crisp on the outside. I never even uh, blowtorch. Yeah, he said, yeah, yeah. It's, it's you know, don't worry about it. So like, so so that you can't do on Shabbos, obviously. But let's say you know he was making these ribs which he didn't blowtorch. Um, you know, can you have that for Shabbos? So what what's the shaila over here? What are the shailas? What are the issues? The halacha. So shahia is obviously a significant issue. And the other major issue? I think there's one more major issue. Isn't it uh, like if you used it for different types of water, does that affect? Does the taste come out like into it's, the water? It's, it's sealed in a plastic bag. So no way, like, the but you pour the water out water. anyway. You're not going to reuse the same water. Are you talking about if he wants to put milchigs in the same... Uh, I don't know what milchigs you would sous-vide. I don't know. Let's not even go there. Let's, not, let's, not, let's stick in our chayim. Let's, let's not even go to Yerden. <laughs> The, the other issue, I think, that, that would be a significant issue that has to be discussed over here is hatmana. Because what's, what's happening? You're taking the meat and you're completely submerging it in heated water. And that's how the meat is cooking. It's completely surrounded by this heated water that's cooking the meat. So is that a violation of hatmana bedavra mosef hevel? So these are, are the two issues. Now... Oh, one second. So let's let's slow slow. So what I, want to, what I want to do is first discuss basic background to Shahia, because some of you may be very familiar with Shahia and all of its rules, some of you maybe not. So basic background to Shahia, apply Shahia to Suvi. Basic background to Hatmana, apply Hatmana to Suvi, and then talk about the, this unique Shiloh, where you're not even using it on Shabbos, you're using it afterwards, that there may be an additional Kula that applies over here that doesn't apply when you're going to use it on Shabbos. So basic background to Shehiya. Mishnah Masechah Shabbos Davlamet Vav says that if raw food began cooking before Shabbos, you may not leave it on an open flame on Shabbos. It's an Isra Midrabanan because you're not actually cooking on Shabbos. You did the Maisa Bishal before Shabbos, so it's only an Isra Midrabanan, but you're not allowed to do it because we're afraid Shem Yichatabu person might adjust the flame to make it cook more quickly when he sees that it's not cooking as quickly as he would like it to. And that is Allah Psukan Shulchanarch Simnerationun Gimel Si'if Aleph. Now the question is, so how cooked does your food have to be before Shabbos in order to allow it to keep on cooking on an open flame on Shabbos? Machlokes Tananim. Chananya, Shabbos Tav Vav. Chananya says, as long as the food got to Machl Ben Jusay before Shabbos, which means barely edible. Bishas Ad If you needed to eat it, you would eat it. Barely edible. Let's say a half cooked, a third cooked, whatever it is. Kemachl ben Jerusai, then, uh, then, then you'd be allowed to keep it on the open flame on Shabbos. The Shulchan Aruch and Reishon and Gimel Sifal quotes the Shita of Hananiah as a Yesh Omrim. However, the Shita of the Rabbanan is that you're only allowed to leave it cooking if it's already gotten to the point where it is not only Mavushal Kal but at this point it is Mitztameik Viralo. It is actually becoming worse by cooking longer. Meaning you've hit the point where it was at its peak and now by leaving it on the fire for longer it's only, it's only uh, degrading the, uh, the, the, the meat or the food. Only then can you leave it, can you leave it cooking on Shabbos. And in fact, Shulchan quotes this as the first daya in Shulchan Aruch. So how do we paskin? Both dayas are quoted in Shulchan Aruch. How do we paskin? 
So Shulchanach, like I said, quotes both opinions. The Ramah says our minig is to be mekel. So for Ashkenazim, certainly the Ramah says our minig is to be mekel like Chananya. So it sounds great. All you have to do is make sure the guy was putting up his suvi on Thursday. So make sure it's machol ben drusai by Shabbos, and you're good to go, right? That would solve all the world's problems as far not all the world's problems, but the world's shihia problems as far as it relates to suvi. Is it really at Machel Ben Drusai a day later? So I asked a, a few people who, who do this form of cooking, and what they tell me is, within hours, it is Mavushal Kaltzarcha. The way it cooks so evenly that the temperature that you set the water at, this guy was cooking ribs at 147 degrees for however many hours it was, 72 hours or whatever, when you set that temperature, within hours, the entire meat through and through has reached that temperature and it is therefore fully cooked. But it's mitztamik v'yafala. The longer you leave it, the better the meat is getting. It never gets really to a point of mitztamik v'yafala. The whole point is that you're, you're slowly, slowly breaking down the meat to the point where it becomes so soft. So <laughs> that's the mitzvah. But is this really psakalacha? Ramah says we can be mekel like Chananya. However, the Bir Alacha says, no, we should be Machmir. Why should we be Machmir? The Ramah was mekel. So the Bir Alacha says, well, you've got to look at the Beis Yosef in terms of what the Svara to be mekel is. And Beis Yosef, he writes that it's not that we reject the Machmir opinion, says, says the, the Bir Alacha. In Beis Yosef, he writes that in a very charitable way of explaining it, Yisrael adukim b'mitzvah oneg Shabbos u'bevade lo yishmu lanu. Jews love oneg Shabbos. We're very into the mitzvah of oneg Shabbos, and therefore, if we were to be machmir and tell people that they can't leave their food cooking, they're not going to listen anyway. So says the Chavetz Chaim in Bir Alacha. I'll listen. You know, if you tell me to be machmir, I'm happy to be machmir. So we who are very from and are happy to listen to the Machmir opinion, we should be Machmir. That's what the Bir Alacha writes. Chaznish and Simulam and Zayin, Sifkat and Gimel, Dibra Maschul, the Mishnah says no need to be Machmir. In, in fact, he says maybe it's best to be Mekel because we should demonstrate that that's the Halacha. You know, there's such a concept that when, when the Halacha is like the more Mekel opinion, show that, that we believe it. So dafka go lekula. Dafka have things that are that are uh, still mitztamik v'yafalo or not yet quite fully cooked, and, and leave them on an open flame going into Shabbos. Unbelievable, no? You have such a, such a concept that kivin dunafak mipume. The Gemara is an expression that once once a posik paskin lehetr. So we have to show that that we uh, that we really believe it. You know that we know how to paskin alacha. The Gemara in Brachas about hamotzi lechem arts versus motzi lechem arts. What he says, Hamotzi Every fool knows that Hamotzi is a valid bracha. Let me see him uh, say the bracha in such a way where it's a machlokas, and he's showing me that he knows how to paskin. That's that's a kunz. Someone told me one of uh, Rav Moshe Feinstein's uh, grandchildren, uh, because Rav Moshe paskin that chalav companies is uh, is not a problem of chalav akum, uh, is makbid dafka to have chalav companies. And his wife, this fellow's wife, is makbid on chalav Yisrael. So the, the, he dafka has two bottles of milk in the fridge. One for his wife, she could have her chol of Yisrael, and one he dafka has chol of accompanies. I, Rav Moshe, writes about nefesh, should be machmir anyway. Still, Aval he thinks that, given the nefesh, you have to make a point of the kula. So Chaznish has such a similar idea. Make a point of being mekel over here. 
So what do we do here? You have Machlokas Tanayim. Okay, so you look at the Shulchan Aruch. You have two days in Shulchan Aruch. So you look at the Ramah. Ramah says we give Mekel. But then you have Mishnah Brura and Chazanish in disagreement about what you're allowed to do. So how do you solve a Shihir problem with holidays? Yeah, you have food that you want to keep cooking over Shabbos. Very simple solution. The, uh, in, in the times of the Gemara, the Mishnah says that the coals needed to be removed entirely or covered up as a reminder that the flame shouldn't be touched. And in modern kitchens, kitchens we, uh, we, we cover the flame. And that's what's called garuf v'katum, what we call a blech, you cover the fire, and that's a sufficient hacker that you're going to know not to, not to adjust the, the knobs. Um, right, they all say it like this. Chazanish um, was not so pleased with the blech, but okay. You, you, in some way, you make it that you're not going to be able to adjust it. Um, but wait a second. You ever cook on a stovetop? Anyone here ever make eggs or noodles? I don't have confidence in anyone make more than that. But uh, let's say eggs or noodles. You, you want to raise the flame. So what do you do? You take a bottle of gasoline and you pour it on the flame. And just what? Is that how you raise the flame on a stovetop? No. That is not what we do to a modern stovetop. What do we do if you want to raise the flame? You turn the knob to raise the flame, right? So covering the fire is going to stop me from raising the flame. What should really stop me from raising the flame? Covering the knobs. So Rav Aaron Cutler, Rav Aider quotes from Rav Aaron Cutler. Rav Aaron Cutler held, nowadays you should cover the knobs. It's not the flame. Rav held, no, it was always the flame. It stays the flame. You cover the flame. Most people are not going to do both because you might as well. Where this becomes interesting, What? Oh, without the, the thing over Ramesha? They, they used to be all the time. They used to, when I was growing up, no one had the thing that covered the knobs. It was just a flat sheet over the fire. Yeah. Um, but now, we learn to be machmir for, to be machmir for both Ravar and Kutler and Ramesha. What if you forgot to put the blech on? Mishavur, Reishon, Gimel, Sivkar, Chavtes, Paskins, the food shouldn't be eaten until Mosai Shabbos. Um, you can also... Uh, um, if, but if it, was, if it was at least a third cooked, then you could definitely be mekel. You could definitely be mekel, at least be diabed, right? Um, like, like Hananya. Now, now let's apply all this to Suvi. Let's apply all of this. So what, what do we have over here? Um, we said it is fully cooked, but it's mitzamek v'yafalo. It's getting better. It's not getting worse. So this is subject to our machlokas, Hananya and the Chacham, whether it would be a violation of shihia, Right? How do we paskin? I don't know. Bir Allah says we should be machmir. Chazanish says we should be mekel. Machlokas mishbur chazanish. And this is going to be unique. In both, both issues that we're discussing, mishbur is going to be the machmir one and chazanish is going to be the mekel one. Chazanish is mekel. So the chazanish says that it would be, it would be mutter. Is there any way to make it garo fukatum? So have you, none of you have ever seen it. It's, it's a thing that goes into the water. If you were to cover the heating element where the water goes through and gets heated, there must be some sort of coil inside the machine that heats the water that goes through it. If you were to cover the heating, it just wouldn't work. The whole thing just wouldn't, would cease to function. But the, there's no, it's not a knob, but on the top there's like a program. You, know, you could push the buttons to turn it to whatever temperature that you desire. Right, thermostat. So... Can you maybe just cover that? So according to Ravar and Cutler, Luchora, yes. Although many of them 
have Bluetooth technology so that if you forgot to turn it on and you're away, you can go on your cell phone and you know and set it. So you'd have to cover every internet access you know computer in the world. Uh, that, that, what? No, be, be, before Shabbos, I'm saying you'd have to cover all, any any way that you would normally uh, that you normally adjust it. I guess put yourself on the way, but um, which you probably do anyway. So, but but it has it does, many of them do have Bluetooth technology. Probably if you put foil over the the over the thing, it would mess up the Bluetooth. I, I would ima- I don't know I don't know much about it. I would imagine that that would mess up the uh, the Bluetooth. So maybe according to Ron Cutler, co- covering the 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 part of it that actually controls the temperature. Would be good enough. Um, another sniff lahakel over here is that there is something called a kedera chaisa. Uh, kedera chaisa is an exception to the Yisra of Shehia. What's a kedera chaisa? Let's say you have a really raw piece of tough meat. What's the reason that you're not allowed to leave something cooking into Shabbos? We're afraid you're going to raise the flame to make it cook more quickly so that it will be ready for you to eat tonight. What if you have something that no matter what you do, it's not going to be ready for you to eat tonight? So then, that's what we call a Kedera Chaisa. Then there's no Isra of Shehiyah. You have a tough piece of ox meat, you just put it up right before Shabbos, it's not going to be ready for the Friday night meal. Or, many posts can suggest, something that's a purposeful slow cooker, like a crock pot. Slow cooker, that's what it's called, a slow You put in raw chalent, which takes a good amount of time, beans take a long time until it goes... Put in a raw chalent right before Shabbos. No matter what you do, you can turn the crock pot on high. It's not going to be ready for the Friday night meal. So some argue that that maybe would qualify as a Gedei Rechaisa. Maybe, maybe, a sous vide, which is meant to cook over the course of 72 hours, right? So there, there is no speeding up the cooking because that's not the point. The point is to keep it at a very slow... It's not exactly a Gedei Rechaisa because it's not raw, but the svar of Kedera that there's no motivation whatsoever to adjust it, maybe, maybe the svar of Kedera would apply over here. Sharetzian writes something like this, that when you're putting something for weeks at a time, you know, to Lizman Maruba, that maybe it's not a violation of Shihia. Sharetzian writes this, I, I, I believe he writes this in Hilchus Yom HaKippurim, of all places, but uh, in some tough tests of gotten Gimel, but the Sharetzian says something like this in the, the bottom of the Mishburu. So that's an additional svara to maybe be makel over here. Any other svaras to be made? So what do we have? We have the Shita of Hananya, we have, which we might paskin like anyway. We have the possibility of Garfakatim by covering the, uh, the control panel. And we have the possibility of a general svara of Kedera Chaisa, that this might count as a, uh, a Kedera Chaisa. Good. Those are the three svaras lakula that we have. Moving on, to, but but the svaras lahachmir are maybe we paskin like the biralacha suggests luchuma that it's, it needs to be masamik vralo and it's not, and you can't maybe you can't just say kedera chaisa on something that's not raw, you know something that's fully cooked. You can't just call it kedera chaisa, and um, and and maybe garfakatum means you have to cover the heating element. You can't just uh, you can't just cover the uh, the the, the knob. So, okay, there's, there's certainly what to, what to argue about. What about Hatmana? So in order to violate Hatmana, Gemara uh, Shabbos Tavlamadal says, you can't insulate a pot in anything that intensifies the heat, lest you insulate it with coals, and then you'll come to stoke the coals. Same concern. Shami yichat you'll stoke the coals, you'll be in violation of Mavir and Bishel. 
And if it's a Dover of Hevel, it's something that actually adds more heat to the pot than it otherwise would have had, you're not even allowed to do that in Erev Shabbos. You're not even allowed to insulate in Erev Shabbos. But in order to violate Atmana, four conditions must be met. Condition number one, the Ramah and Rashi and Gimel Safalov writes that it has to be totally enclosed, totally insulated, totally wrapped in. The extent of the enclosure is subject to Machlokas, Primugadim and Rashi and Tess and Mishpasov, Sivkat and Gimel. Um, talks about this um, this suffix and Shlomo uh, Zalman is uh, said to have been machmir if it's mostly surrounded that's where Shlomo Zalman asked a crockpot he thought that was hatmana even though the top of the pot is not surrounded by the only the sides and the bottom are surrounded by the heating element he thought that was hatmana Rav Moshe was mekel unless it was covered on top as well. Rav Shachter's mekel that he thought the crockpot's not hatmana. Okay, but condition number one, it's got to be totally enclosed. Do you have that here by the suvi? Totally enclosed? Yeah, it's completely enclosed by the water. Second thing you need to fulfill in order for it to be a violation of hatmana, the shulchanar conration of Zion hey, the food has to still be in a clean risha. It has still been in the clear that it was cooked in. Do you have that over here? Absolutely, you have that over here. It's still in uh, in, in the clear Rishon. Um, third, Shulchan Aruch Rishon and Zayin Sif Beis, you have to have Kavana Lahatmin. Your Kavana in wrapping it is to add heat, is to either maintain or add heat. It's about the temperature. That's why you're doing this. If you're putting a cover on a pot to protect the food from the elements, or from bugs from falling in, that's not hatmana, right? Hatmana is only when your intention is to do hatmana. I remember, I have, I have thank God, three amazing sisters who are all Nashim Sidkanios and wonderful people who all uh, went to a seminary in Israel called Michlala. One of them came home, I remember, um, and um, came over to me like before her first Shabbos home and said, uh, Arye, I think... I think we have we have we have to like make sure that everything in the kitchen in our house is like is okay because I think I think Iman Abba might be doing something that's that's in violation of uh, you know of Hilcha Shabbos. I'm like first of all, if it's anything in the kitchen, Abba's not doing anything. <laughs> it's, you know, Iman may be doing something, but Abba's not doing anything. She's like, okay, fine. <laughs> you know, but um, so I said, what's what? Second of all, you know, they've already been through my brother. You know, who's, uh, who's a very big Talmud Chacham and is older than all of us. Uh, and third, they know what they're doing. So, so uh, anyway, I said, what are you concerned about? She said, well, they take the challah out from the oven. You know, they turn off the oven right before Shabbos, so the oven's still hot. They leave the challah in the still warm oven. They take the challah right before the meal, the meal. They put it on the challah tray, and they cover it with the challah cover. Yeah. Isn't that hatmana? What? They, they take the warm challah, put it on the challah tray, and cover the challah cover. Isn't that hatmana? So this is where a little bit of knowledge is very dangerous, right? That is not hatmana. Why is that not hatmana? Well, there are lots of reasons, but one of the reasons, uh, first of all, it's not in the Klebishon, but, but, but you can write Gush, it's all the Klebishon, but most fundamentally, the challah cover is not there to maintain the heat or retain the heat of the challah. Why is the challah cover there? Ah, or Zecher Laman, or whatever the reasons are, and you know, the six Napkaminas, you can give a whole share about the reasons, but it has nothing to do with the heat. 
Plus, the fourth tonight of Hatmana doesn't apply to the challah, the challah covered. And that is that the wrapping has to be in direct contact with either the food or the container that the food is in. Um, and that's probably why warming drawers are not hatmana. Because if you put a pan in the warming drawer, it doesn't fit snugly into the exact shape of the warming drawer. There's like airspace in between. So, um, so in our case, it, it, it absolutely, water takes the shape of, you know, you put something in the water, the water immediately engulfs it. So the we've got a hatmana issue, right? So how do we uh, how do we get out of the hatmana issue? So first, my first thought was, no, this isn't hatmana. Hatmana is when you take, you know, like I, I said to my brother. I remember when I first had this conversation. I said, you, t- you take a piece of chicken and put it in a pot of water to cook in a pot of water. Is that is that called that? It's it's hatmana in the water. So my brother correctly pointed out, he said, if you put chicken in a pot of water, if only we had a name for that, maybe chicken soup. <laughs> there is a name for that, that's called chicken soup. And the reason it's not atmana is because the soup is also part of the food. The soup is, is what you're eating, it's not the eating element, it's what you're eating. That's why it's not atmana. There is a discussion for pokishka in a chalant or a kugel in a chalant, whether that would be atmana. Because it's not the same food, it's a separate food. But if your kavan is not lahatmin, your kavan is to get the flavor of the chalant into the uh, into the, the kugel or into the kishka. Kishka is not as popular anymore, but uh, into the, the kugel, we've gotten much healthier. <laughs> the greasy potato kugel instead of kishka. So uh, if, if that's your kavana, so then it's uh, then then that's not hatmana either. So uh, that wasn't a good savara to just say that the water is really the cooking agent rather than something that you're being matin with. That wasn't a good savara. Here's the, the real savara. There is a Gemara in Shabbos, in Mem, I believe, where the Gemara tells us that you're allowed to take a Pach Shemen and put it in a tub of hot water in a pot of hot water. And that's not a problem. So Mishabur writes in Reish Nuches Siv Katan Beis, She'asur likach kli u'betocho mashket sonein v'litchav oso b'shabes l'kli malim mayim cham and sheis chamim betocho. You may not do this. You may not take a kli that has cold liquid and put it in a kli that has hot liquid to get warmed up, even if it's never going to get to Oh, what does he do with the Gemara? Mishmaris is very simple. The Gemara is talking about where it's not totally submerged. Over here, and, and therefore wouldn't be Atmana. But if you totally submerge it, yeah, that's Atmana. Comes along the Chazanish, and the Chazanish says that I understand where the Mishmaris is coming from, because he saw the Gemara in Shabbos Daf Memam Beis that you're allowed to take a kli that has shemen and put it into a larger kli that has warm water, and 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 uh, and it must be that hatmana b'miktas is mutter, and therefore it's going to be uh, it's going to be. It's going to be, the Gemara must be talking about just Hatman and B'miktas. Says the Chazanish, but what if you pass him like me? Like my Chumra, which is Machlogs Rishonim, Machlogs in Shulchan Aruch, that even Hatman and B'miktas is Asur, is called Hatmana. 
even partial submersion is called Hatmana, what are you going to do with the Gemara then? So the Chaznish says it must be that there's no Isra Hatmana when you put into a pot of hot water. That's not an Isra Hatmana. Because the Gemara says it's not. I can't just say the Gemara is all the time about mixes. No, because that's also Hatmana. The Chaznish's big Chumrah about the definition of Hatmana turns out to be a huge Kula in that he allows Hatmana in a pot of, of warm water. Wow, so there you have it. Is the Suvi a problem of Hatmana? Mishnabrura? Yes. Chaznish? No, no problem. So both on the Shihia and on the Hatmana. Mishnabrura? We got problems. Chaznish? No problem. Great. I thought I had another sniff, Lahakel, on both of these things. Yeah. Yeah, that's what they're talking about, kishka and chalent and things like that. But over here, the water is not the ochel. Right? The water is something that's providing heat. That's its function. Like, I thought, like, classic cases like Atman was, like, where you, like, have, like, towel or, like, yeah. That is the most normal case of Atman. Like, yeah, they have a towel. They used to sell these things that go around urns. You know how some, like, old Europeans, they, they can't drink just regular hot water? It's got to be so hot that you have to go to the hospital if you take a sip. Right? So they, they, they used to sell these things to, to keep the water in the urns very hot, they sold like a sleeve that fits snugly around the urn and you zip it up and it's real tight around the urn and it makes it much hotter and it would say on it, Lekavit Shabbos Kodesh. Rabbi Willig Shlita used to always say, it should say Lechilul Shabbos Kodesh because that's what it is. It's, it's a violation of Atmana B'davra Mosevevel, it's Vaday Chilul Shabbos. But I thought I had another big sniff of Kula uh, and then I realized that, that I don't. You know, did we invent the wheel over here with uh, with sous vide? Was this really a brand new idea of taking a heating element, sticking it in water, and warming the water? This is not the first time in history this ever happened. When I was in eighth grade, I had a rebbe in South Shore, Rabbi Pressman. Rabbi Pressman was a great rebbe. He had trouble um, with his voice. He kept losing his voice, so we always had to drink hot water throughout the day, constantly. I should probably do that too. So he he. Um, he would keep a cup of water, a pitcher of water in a cup, and he had this thing that plugged into the wall, and it was like a coil, and you'd stick it into his cup, and it would heat up the water in his cup. So instead of having to go out to the urn, he would just have this coil, it would heat up the water in his cup. This has existed for many years. Now, it didn't keep to a precise temperature or whatever, and it, you know, it didn't do what a sous vide does, but the notion of having something that you stick into a cup, and then it heats up the water, that existed. Rav Shlomo Zalman has a tshuva, but most importantly in the footnote, Ha'ara 3, unbelievable. He talks about this mazleg chashmali that you put into a cup of water and it heats the water and says Rav Shlomo Zalman, I had a conversation with the chaznish, says Rav Shlomo Zalman, this is remarkable. I would, you know, to be a fly on the wall and the chaznish and Rav Shlomo Zalman are talking about electricity you know, in general, about anything, but about electricity, like you, you can't imagine they had such different views. So Rosh Hashanah said, I had a conversation with the Chazanish. He says, and I always thought that these things are only Bishul Midrabana. There's no Eish, it's not Bishul Midraisa. And I thought that's a Chash of a because hospitals should be aware of this. So he told that to the Chazanish. And the Chazanish, right, the Chazanish said to him that, no, even though there's no ash, since it's cooking through a zerem chashmal, 
and the Zerim Shel Chashmal normally creates Eish, it's therefore like a told us Eish, and it's Bishlami Daraisa. Shlomo Zalman writes, Bialdusi, in my naivete, my immaturity, or he writes, Vialdus Haisabi, Lomar, Sharak Harishonim Hayyucholim Lomar Chidish Gadol Kazet. He said, I said to the Chaznish, You're an Achron, you can't say a Svara like that. That's too big of a Chidish. Achu Chazar Veheshev, Shaladaito, who Pashut, Vein Srichim Klaalios Rashba, Lomar Davarzet. Chaznish says, Davar Pashut, you don't need to be the Rashba. And Rosham Zalman gets the last word. Ulam gam hayom ma'od be'enai. I have a lot of trouble with this. So I thought, wow, if the Suvi, to begin with, is only Bishl Midrabanan, what, we make a gzera of hatmana Midrabanan, lest you what? Lest you come to violate Bishl Midrabanan? Shehiyah Midrabanan, lest you come to... Shami yechata b'gachalim is havara daraisa, is Bishl daraisa. So maybe the whole thing is only Dirabanan. And I thought, why would it only be Dirabam? It doesn't make any sense to me. You're taking this thing that's a hot coil. That's not Aish. If there's such heat, it's not Aish. So in a later printing of the Mincha Shlomo, there's a footnote to the footnote. And the footnote to the footnote says that what Shlomo Zalm is describing is not a coil. It's something that, and I don't get it, that was not inherently hot, but somehow reacted with the water in such a way where when you put it in the water, the water became hot. I, like, almost like an induction stovetop or something. I, I don't know. I don't know exactly how it works. Uh, certainly without electrocuting yourself. But, but apparently there was this this thing. But if it was actually a hot coil, then of course it's ash and it's double partial that is bishul daraisa. So I think that was a dead end. Now, what about keeping it cooking for after Shabbos for Rosh Hashanah? This is a remarkable example of where you can learn all of Hilchah Shabbos and you won't find the relevant halacha. When do you ever have a time where you want to keep something cooking through a day that's usher to cook so that you can eat it afterwards? When do you ever have such a thing? You're going to want something cooking through a day that's usher to cook so that after that day you want, you'll want to have a meal. Yom Kippur. You can't cook on Yom Kippur. It's usher to cook on Yom Kippur. You're allowed to cook on Rosh Hashanah. It's usher to cook on Yom Kippur. And you're going to want something cooking to eat right afterwards because you'll be starving right afterwards. In Hilchus Yom HaKippurim, the Rosh Mesech Siyum HaPerches in Chavav writes that the Go'onim say that you should not be Matmin Chamin on Erev Yom Kippur to cook through Yom Kippur in order to have for a meal on Matzah Yom Kippur. The Tur, Simitav Reishtas, says, I don't get it. I don't know why one would be Matmir about such a thing. I don't know what the, I don't understand the Chumrah. Bach, Tafresh Tess, suggests maybe it looks like you're being mechin from Yom Tov to Chol. Maybe it looks like you're preparing for Yom Kippur because you're doing it after Chatzos on Erev Yom Kippur. Mm. Says the Shulchan Aruch, Tafresh Tess, Evalv, Mutr lahat mincham in Meir of Yom HaKippurim, Motsoi Yom HaKippurim. But says the Ramah, V'yeshom she'in lahat min Yom HaKippurim, V'chein ha-minag b'medina se'lu. Our minag is to be machmir for the Shita Sagaonim. The Rov Rishonim don't agree with the Shittas Gaonim. Rov Rishonim assume it's for afterwards, it's fine. Shehiya, Hatmana, these are issues when you're doing it for Shabbos. But if you're going to want it for afterwards, for later, that's okay. 
But the Ramah says our minute is to be machmir. On Yom Kippur. Is our minute to be machmir for Shabbos also? So it's, you can't say minute because who would ever do this? They never did it. No one's having meals on Matzai Shabbos. So one of the suggestions of why to be machmir is because it's not even for a Sudas Mitzvah. It's for Matzai Yom Kippur. It's not really a Sudas Mitzvah. And, and those who show them make will call it like a shtickle Sudas Mitzvah. But what if you're preparing it for the first night of Rosh Hashanah? So that's a real Sudas Mitzvah. Right? That's a real Sudas Mitzvah. Plus, the Aruch HaShulchan in Tafresh Tess, Siv Beis, writes, he thinks this whole Chumrah is only a Yom Kippur Chumrah. He thinks that the issue is that the, the, the Kedei Shalom Yerichu Bnei Abayis Reach HaTavshilin Kederach HaAtmanos Mbnei Taivas HaReach Yichu Lovely De Bulmos this Yom Kippur thing and coming to your house during the one hour break two hour break that you have between Musaf and Mincha and you're going to smell and uh, you're going to get sick because you're going to be so uh, the smell is going to be so intoxicating it's not a Shabbos thing it's a Yom Kippur thing so I thought to make it go through Shabbos I didn't think that was a problem especially since you have all of these kulas all these sniff and lahakel that you have you have to prepare it for Shabbos I don't know on Shehia, you're getting involved in a machlokas chaznisha mishabura, and if you want to do garufakatim machlokas ramaisha and ravarn cutler. On Hatamana, you're also getting involved in machlokas chaznisha mishabura. You know, so you really have to go a double chaznish in order to be makel on this issue. I, I wasn't, I wasn't sure about that. So I think the bigger, I mean, the real postkim are going to need to to weigh in on this. Um, like I said, I asked Shachli, wasn't, but that was almost a year ago. He wasn't yet sure. I'm going to follow up with him. Hopefully, Asher Sachs. He said, "No, you obviously did research. Tell me what you found." So I told him in five minutes what I just told you now, because like with him, you just say Mara Makomas, and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, come on." So, uh, so I told, <laughs> so I told him, uh, and he said, "Sounds like sounds sounds good. I'll let you know what I think." Um, but he didn't get back to me yet, and uh, I think the big pros are going to have to are going to have to deal with this with this issue. But that that's the background at least of the issue. Have a wonderful Shabbos, everybody.